Surprise, I'm back at you again on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast for the second time on Friday, getting you set for the big week four clash with the Cincinnati Bengals against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I'm joined by a very special guest, JP Acosta from Big Cat Country, SB Nation's Jacksonville Jaguars blog, helping me preview the game. JP, how are you, man? I'm doing good. I'm excited for the game on Sunday. Um, It's going to be a really great game between two. I'll be a struggling team, but it should be a really fun game. Well, hopefully, hopefully. It's been, it hasn't been a great start of the, of the season for both teams. But uh, first of all, I, I got I to gotta do full disclosure to our listeners, whether you're joining us live or downloading after the fact. Uh, JP has been extremely accommodating and extremely patient with me this week. I tried to get him on Wednesday. We didn't make it work for the Wednesday show. Tried to make it work for our listener question show earlier this week, and then I had some personal things going on, but he has been extremely accommodating, joining us on his Friday night to help us preview the game. I appreciate it, JP. No problem, man. Anytime. I love talking football. I love talking about the Jaguars, and I'm really excited. So I guess to go into a little bit about me, I'm a junior at Florida Atlantic University. I've been writing for Big Cat Country since February, I believe. Wow. It's been a long time. It's felt this, like- year, this year's been weird anyway, man. So it's time. Been <laughs> it's been weird, man. But I started in February. I started covering the NFL draft for the Jaguars. But I'm kind of getting more into just basically generally covering the Jaguars, what they do, specifically more about the defense, which I'll get into, especially talking about this game upcoming. But, you know, I'm, like I said, junior at Florida Atlantic. I'm also one of the editors at the Florida Atlantic University Press, which is our student newspaper there. But yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Well, your your reputation precedes you, my friend, because you you come uh, highly recommended from the boys over at Big Cat Country. So I appreciate you joining the program and uh, talking a little talking a little football with us. And thanks for getting us up to speed on your background, man. I, I, we look forward to seeing some big things out of you once you graduate and all that good stuff. Um, talking about Sunday, uh, it's been a I don't even know if you want to call it a tale of two seasons so far in just three games, but it's been a, a roller coaster ride for both teams. You know, Jacksonville has looked pretty good at times, but a game I thought they should have won last Thursday night, um, they kind of they kind of dropped that one against Miami. That was a tough one. So, if you could maybe get us up to speed a little bit as to what has transpired with the Jaguars in the first three games and uh, maybe their health coming into this one against the Bengals in week four. Okay, so these first three weeks of the season have kind of gone a little bit better than expected on one side of the ball and basically how I thought it was going to be at the beginning of the season. So the Jaguars are bad. That's We can just say that right now. The Jaguars are bad. (laughs) The offense is fun. You got Minshew, James Robinson, DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault. Those guys are going to make any game competitive, any game fun. But this defense is terrible. It's not good at all. And we've seen that throughout these first three games. Against Indianapolis, they kind of got lucky with the traditional Phillip Rivers game where he has to bring the team back from down five, got the field to go. But we really saw against Tennessee and even against Miami that this team on defense, especially the pass rush, is not good. And we expected that having traded away Yannick Ngakwe, you traded with Calais Campbell, you traded A.J. Bouye, they've kind of gone back to the norm on defense. And when the defense isn't playing with a lead, 
then the team doesn't work well because the offense isn't built to play from behind at this point. So, I mean, I guess through the first three games, they haven't really raised my expectations on defense or full team-wise. I've kind of been, this is where I expected them to be. Okay. So let's start then with a couple of the major figureheads currently in the franchise. I will start with, uh, because you said his name, uh, Gardner Minshew, the quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's had some really bright moments. Obviously, I I know a bit about him. I live on the West Coast, so I watched a lot of uh, Wazoo football. When he was when he was in college that last year, he was he was an exciting player, and obviously, it's translated a bit to the NFL. There are still some of those games where you're frustrated. You mentioned those trades. What's what's the future for Minshew? Are are these picks being held kind of like what Miami did to try and move up and get a Trevor Lawrence, a Justin Fields, that sort of player? Or is Minshew the guy long-term and they want to build around him with some of those picks that they yielded from those trades? I think through the first few games, what I've seen is I think Minshew definitely can be the guy here. Although Mm -hmm. he has some physical limitations, like they don't throw the ball deep at all. But Minshew's not really a deep ball thrower. He's a very timing, anticipation. He'll throw the ball short, intermediate. But I don't think the Jaguars will be bad enough to be in the running for a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields. As we saw on Thursday, the Jets are the worst team in the NFL. Oh, man. They have the number one pick. The Jaguars aren't going to be near that number one pick. So I think if Gardner Minshew continues to play like the way he has, excluding that Miami game, the Miami game was just a bad game on all sides of the ball, including special teams, which I don't even know what happened. But if he continues to play like the way he has – I'm going to say they're going to stick with him for one more year, partially because he's played well and because he's not going to let them lose enough to be in the running for a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields. So then let's transition to Doug Maroney, the the head coach. How long is the leash there? Uh, I mean, you know, now, again, he was given kind of free reign to trade these players away, yield some picks. That kind of points to, hey, we're looking to next year, whether it's for a quarterback like we've talked about or – building around Minshew, it kind of seems like they're giving him the the leeway for maybe being here another year uh, with, with the Jaguars. Am I wrong in thinking that? I think you're definitely correct. I think last season they blamed a lot of the failure of the team on Tom Coughlin, and Tom Coughlin deserved much of that blame. But I think Marone is definitely going to stay around throughout the rest of the season, unless this team completely bottoms out. Like, they just – they lose every single game the rest of the season. I think Marone is out of there. But I think they're going to give him enough leeway to try and see what he can turn into, turn his team into. They've given him a bunch of draft picks. They've given him young talent. But now they have to see what he's going to make out of it without Tom Coughlin kind of staring over his shoulder telling him, hey, do this, don't do that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Talking with J.P. Acosta with SB Nation's Big Cat Country Jacksonville Jaguars site. Happy to have him joining us for a a special interview episode of the Orange and Black Insider, helping us preview week four Jacksonville at Cincinnati this Sunday. So let's kind of dive into this one specifically now that we've got kind of the overview of what's going on with, with some of the parts of the Jaguars. You mentioned they're struggling to throw the ball deep. They're struggling on defense. Um, what what are they doing well? One of the guys that intrigues me, again, being a Pac-12 guy, you mentioned his name earlier, uh, LaVisca Chenault. Um, how has he looked? 
Is he a key somehow in this game to kind of get creative with him, get the ball in his hands in a number of different ways? Oh, yeah. LaVisca Chanel has been one of the biggest surprises on this Jaguars offense, along with James Robinson this season. The way Jay Gruden uses LaVisca Chanel is very, I like this comparison, it's very souped up Denard Robinson. When Denard Robinson hmm. played for the Jaguars, he played running back, he played receiver, he was in a Wildcat quarterback. He just wasn't that good. LaVisca Chanel is good wherever you put him, wherever he has the ball. He can take a short pass. It's going to take multiple guys to bring him down. He can take a short pass, take it to the house. He's going to be an important piece for Cincinnati to look at. You have to be able to know where he is at all times. But I think this offense works best when they're ahead of schedule. That means they have to run the ball well. They run the ball well with James Robinson. They run behind that left side of the line with Cam Robinson, Andrew Norwell, and Tyler Shatley, who's replacing Brandon Linder, although Linder and Shatley have played uh, really well, actually. James Robinson, he just won Offensive Rookie of the Month. He is so much of a different running back than Leonard Fournette. And I'll say that because Leonard Fournette doesn't have that speed or elusiveness that James Robinson has. James Robinson has a second gear where he hits it and he can take it to the house immediately. If you're Cincinnati, you have to stop the run. You have to put them behind the chains. You have to make them throw the ball deep. The Jaguars don't throw the ball deep at all. Even with DJ Chark coming back, they don't throw the ball deep. So if you can get them behind the chains, if you can force them in the second and long, third and long, they're not going to throw the ball deep that much. So the what, surprisingly for the Bengals, one of the issues they have had this year is throwing the ball deep. Uh, Joe Burrow, I believe, is only one of 16 on deep throws this year. Is that something that you are uh, on, the, on the Jaguars side of the fence? Is that something that they are worried about Burrow potentially catching fire this week because of the defensive struggles you mentioned earlier? I think they're definitely worried about Joe Burrow. I think Doug Marone and Ty Walsh have both heaped praise on Burrow throughout this week. And Joe Burrow is an absolute gamer. He sticks in the pocket even when the offensive line is collapsing around him, especially against Philadelphia. That was one of the most impressive games, even though it ended in a tie. <laughs> Don't remind me. <laughs> a very impressive game from Joe Burrow. But for Jacksonville and for Cincinnati, you have to be able to protect Joe Burrow. And I think against Jacksonville, you'll be able to do that. Jacksonville's only had three sacks this season. That's last in the NFL. They don't, they don't get any interior pressure. Hmm. You're going to get your Josh Allen. You're going to get Clavon Chison. They're going to try and get pressure off the edges, but they're not. I don't think they get there in time because the pocket isn't collapsing as much from the interior. With the way Todd Walsh plays his defense, it's very much like the Legion of Boom in Seattle. They play a lot of cover three, cover four. They don't they don't blitz at all. So they're going to rush with four most of the game. If they don't get pressure, Joe Burrow's going to have time to find the holes in the zone. So I don't think throwing deep is going to be necessarily like a priority, but I think he's going to have enough time to throw the ball in the holes in the zone, which I think he's going to be able to find. Talking with J.P. Acosta with SB Nation's Big Cat Country, previewing the Jaguars at the Cincinnati Bengals this week, week four, coming up here. Uh, kind of a, an interesting big game for two teams that haven't don't have a lot of wins this week. And uh, we're going to get to some some keys here. Um, who are some players, before we kind of get to some keys of the game, your predictions, et cetera, who are some players maybe that Bengals fans are not familiar with on the ja- Jacksonville Jaguars that we should 
be hearing a lot of on Sunday and could have a big impact on the on the result on Sunday. So I'll go with two names. I'll go one on defense, one on offense. So one on defense is Miles Jack. Miles Jack last year played middle linebacker. He wasn't very good at it. He had too much to process. Now with Joe Schobert playing middle linebacker, they moved Miles Jack back to weak side. They moved him back to the will linebacker, and he's played phenomenally. He's led the team in tackles each game. He's flying around the field. So in order for Cincinnati to be able to move the ball effectively on that second and third level, they have to know where Miles Jack is. He's going to roam around. He doesn't have any more responsibilities calling plays. He can just see ball, get ball. So you have to know where 44 is at all times. On offense, I'm going to say Chris Conley. Chris Conley Mm -hmm. had a very bad game on Thursday because DJ Chark was out. He had a lot of drops, those miscommunications, missed blocks. It was not a good game for Chris Conley overall. But if DJ Chark isn't back up to 100%, I know they said he's going to play, but I know Chris Conley is going to play a lot. So he's going to be one to watch out for. He stretches the field vertically. That's something they don't really have. So if he can get going, that's going to open up that offense a lot more. But if he starts dropping passes, he starts continuing what happened on Thursday, then you'll be able to shrink the field against that offense. So I have a soft spot, just personal story. I have a soft spot for Chris Conley. I interviewed him years ago at the NFLPA Bowl in LA uh, as a scouting event there. And when he was coming out as a rookie, ended up being drafted by the Chiefs. But in my interview, I found, I I came away, I don't know if you know much about him or have heard him speak or what, I came away from that guy, just the most interesting guy I I think I've interviewed. He, He is a really, really neat guy. So I always find myself rooting for him on other teams, maybe not this Sunday, but uh, a <laughs> very, very interesting guy. And uh, yeah, but not a name necessarily. He's been on a lot of highly successful offenses and not a, not a household name really. And he's been in the NFL for a while now. So uh, good selections there. I would be remiss if I, before we got into keys of the game and your prediction, I would be remiss if quickly I didn't ask you about two free agent acquisitions Jacksonville made this year. You mentioned one of them in Joe Schobert. How has he looked? And uh, Tyler Eifert. Um, how, oh, yeah. has, how has he looked? He reunited with with Jay Gruden there. So how how have both of those guys looked? The reason I ask about Schobert is because the Bengals they came down to Jacksonville and Cincinnati courting him in free agency this year, and Jacksonville won out. Yeah. So Joe Schobert has really he's done well for what they've needed him to do. What they need him to do is come in and take some of that responsibility off Miles Jack. Now you have Joe Schobert calling the plays, and he's done a very good job of diagnosing the play, running the ball down getting some tackles against Miami. He didn't do a very good job of that. He missed a tackle on Ryan Fitzpatrick led to a big 20 plus yard gain. So there are going to be those times where there's a lapse in execution, but for the most part, I think Joe Schobert has played fairly well in terms of what they've asked him to do. I think that's the same thing with Tyler Eifert. They've asked him to kind of stretch the field as a tight end in that scheme, play off a play action. But the thing is, Jacksonville didn't really really run play action that much. They run a lot of personnel with three wide receivers. So Tyler Eifert may be off the field sometimes. They run a lot of three, four wide sets. So Tyler Eifert may may not be on the field as much. But for what when he's in there, he stretches the field vertically and he's able to give Gardner Minshew an option over the middle. That's where that short and intermediate over the middle type catches. That's what Tyler Eifert can do. So he's done well for what they've given them or what they needed to do. 
Right. Eifert, always pull for that guy. He was, he was a good player for the Bengals, and unfortunately he had some explosive, explosive years for the team, and then unfortunately just some injuries hit. Uh, I keep I keep teasing. I keep saying we're going to get to keys. We're going to get to score prediction. We got, a, we got a question in our live YouTube chat for you. I've heard good things about Devon Hamilton. Can you ask what we should expect from him? That's from Drake Berry in our live uh, YouTube chat. Do you have any yeah. thoughts on Hamilton? Sure, Drake. Um, Devon Hamilton – the third-round rookie out of Ohio State, he's going to come in as a rotational defensive lineman right now. He's going to sub out Avery Jones and Taven Bryan in that interior defensive line, especially on early downs. What Devon Hamilton does really well is he stops the run. He's able to move people. That's, that's essentially what he does best, scouting him. He can move people off the ball in the run game. In the pass game, he's kind of limited right now, but expect to see him a lot on early downs as the one technique right in between the center and the guard and stuffing the run. Awesome. Thanks. I put you on the spot there. <laughs> Hope that's all right. <laughs> yeah, you, you did. You did awesome. Uh, look, there, there are a lot of different areas we can point to. The quarterbacks, of course, in this one, two young guys and a little bit of wild card players um, for both teams. I think it's going to come down to obviously how those uh, those two play. But what are some – maybe one or two big keys to this game, maybe even specific keys to this game uh, or intricate keys to this game that you see will be the determining factors on Sunday. So on Sunday, I think one of the big keys to the game is definitely going to be pass protection. If the Bengals cannot contain Josh Allen, who has been getting this close, he's always getting there. He's always getting pressure, but he's never closing. If Josh Allen starts getting loose, starts getting sacks, it's going to be a long night for that um, Cincinnati offensive line, especially with Clavon Chison coming off the edge, Dewan Smoot, who can bring pass rush energy. So if that offensive line doesn't hold up, then I think Joe Burrow's in for a long night. On the Jaguar side of the ball, if they can run the ball effectively and stay ahead of the chains, then they're going to be playing with a lead. Because with James Robinson running the ball the way he has, they're going to increase his workload they'll be able to run their offense, which is run the ball, quick intermediate passes, and they're going to hold the ball for a long time, try and get that Jacksonville, young Jacksonville defense to kind of get acclimated, get used to playing in Cincinnati and getting some rest, essentially. So I think the offensive and defensive lines are definitely going to be important. Now, on Jacksonville side of the ball, I definitely think they're going to have to watch out for um, Cincinnati's linebackers. Logan Wilson, Akeem Davis-Gaither, two speedy off-ball guys, especially in Jacksonville's offense that tries to create mismatches, short intermediate areas. They're going to have to play a great game with tackling. I know Jesse Bates is going to be flying everywhere. He's one of the better center fielder safeties in the NFL. So they're going to have to play a great game in terms of tackling and making sure they stay off schedule. Jacksonville may be getting a break in that respect. Uh, Logan Wilson's been dealing with a concussion this week, so he may not be able to go. We'll see what happens there. Not definitive quite yet, but, um, you know, those things are tricky, as we know. Yeah, so, definitely. Uh, but, yeah, those uh, the, the linebackers, they, you know, they've shown some improvement so far. That was a real trouble spot for the Bengals last year. They brought in five uh, offseason acquisitions in that position group alone. So, uh, oh, yeah. you know, I remember so Davis Gaither being one of the guys yeah. I wanted Jacksonville to draft. He's oh, okay. a guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's slowly getting an increase of snaps as well. Um, yeah. So 
I, I it's hard hard to disagree with a lot of those points you made there. Let's let's get your prediction. Let's put you on the spot. What do, how do you see this one playing out? And uh, if you if you got a score prediction, we'll take it, JP. Okay, so I see this game playing out a lot like kind of the Indianapolis game for Jacksonville. I think with Jacksonville, I think if they win the toss, they're going to get this ball. They're going to receive the ball. That's something that Doug Marone hasn't done. And putting his defense out there early is asking for them to get carved up. I think Joe Burrow is going to have a great game because Joe Burrow is going to be able to diagnose that zone defense rather quickly. I don't know if Josh Allen's going to be able to get there, get enough pressure. But I think late in the game, when Jacksonville's able to slow down the game with James Robinson and the run game, I think Jacksonville might pull, squeak out a win. I think it'll be by less than a touchdown, but it's going to be a definitely it's going to be a definite chess match between basically one team's strength going up against another team's weakness and one team's strength going against another team's weakness. It's Cincinnati's passing game against Jacksonville's lack of pass defense. It's going to be Jacksonville's run game against Cincinnati's run defense. Well, if it is a close game, if it is a one-score game, that plays directly into the hands of the Jacksonville Jaguars because the Bengals in their last 15 one-score games, JP, 0-14-1, dating back back to late 2018 that is tied in NFL record. That is the Cincinnati Bengals tying dubious records since 1968. That is, oh, that, that's, that should be on their, their team crest, but yeah, but I think if it is a close game, I think special teams are going to come into play and that's where Jacksonville recently has had some problems. Josh Lambeau still injured. He's not going to play Brandon Wright who missed a kick against Miami. He's not going to play. He's injured. They brought in Steven Hauschka who just so happened to be injured. So <laughs> Hauschka might play, but then again, he's dealing with an injury, so we don't know what special teams is going to look like. Special teams is always an adventure, that is for sure. <laughs> JP, before we get you on out of here, man, uh, where can where can our listeners find you? At least, even if it's for this this week alone, where can they find you on Twitter and all that good stuff? Okay, great. Um, on Twitter, my ad is at Acosta A C O S T A thirty two underscore JP. Hopefully, I'll be live tweeting during the game. You'll see some funny stuff. You'll see me post some analysis of the game. Definitely after the game, I'm going to do a film room analysis of the uh, Bengals Jaguars. You can definitely find me at Big Cat Country. I'll be writing for them all the time. I'll also be on University Press. I'll be writing for Florida Atlantic School newspaper. If you want to check out what's going on down south, I also post some funny stuff sometimes. So if you follow me, I'll post some funny memes occasionally. But you know, if you if you're here for the football. I can give you the football. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. JP Acosta with Big Cat Country, SB Nation's Jacksonville Jaguar site. For those of you tuning in live, hope you enjoyed the interview and those downloading after the fact. Thanks for doing that. We'll also probably be rehashing this interview for our pregame show an hour before kickoff brought to you by Narragansett Beer. So JP, you'll be uh, you'll be making an appearance there, even though it won't be live. We'll rehash this this interview and uh, at least clips of it because it was a good one, man. Uh, yeah, appreciate the time. Yeah, I know. I appreciate you being accommodating, like I said, and uh, sorry this, this week was such a mess, but glad we were able to make this happen. No problem, man. I'm, I'm excited for the game. I'm always glad to talk and I'll be, I'll be waiting. I'll be ready for Sunday. All right. Well, have fun, man. Let's uh, let's hope it's a good one. 
I know we both want different results, but let's hope it's oh, yeah, a fun one to watch. Results, but at the end of the day, if it's a good game, I'll be happy. <laughs> Me too. Thanks, JP. Thanks, everybody. This has been the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We'll see you next time.